Sit down and buckle up. It's time for the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Hey, recording live and in person. Uh, here just about at the first of June, 2023. Uh, I'm Nate Larkin here with my friend and yours, Aaron Porter. We're broadcasting from Tennessee. I'm back in Tennessee. You've been here the whole time. How you doing, my friend? Yeah, it's been a, it's been a little hot and humid the last week. Um, uh, so I'm a little little sweaty. Uh, yeah. But but you hey. gotta get the AC running again in your house. Well, gotta that, get that fixed. That's true. But consider this. Mm. How much money do people pay? to go to gyms with saunas or to pay to go in a sauna. <laughs> and I'm sitting here in my office right now, zero dollars down, sweating my buns off. Come on. Life is so good. Life okay. is so good. But it's I'm curious. all how you frame it, man. It's all in how you frame it. Okay. Yeah, I know. If I was Swedish, I'd be more excited about it. But still, I'm, you know, whatever. <laughs> Um, so I've been waiting to talk with you cause you just got back in the last day or so from mm-hmm. your adventure to Alaska for your, what, what anniversary was this? 45th wedding 45th anniversary. Yeah. Wedding yeah. anniversary. Yeah. Hard to believe for a guy who's just in his forties that I could have been married 45 years, but yeah. I know that, that alley, she got you young. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so tell me about it. Was it great? Did you have fun in Alaska? Yeah. It was, it was, uh, it was, uh, we were, it was not hot and humid. It was, uh, was brisk. We were told that the weather was fabulous the week before we got there. Uh, but when we got there, it was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, cloudy and nippy, but it was beautiful. It's absolutely rugged. Allie and I took a cruise to Alaska from Seattle a week on a large ship, a very large ship, 4,000 passengers, 4,400 crew. On one boat, believe it or not. And was it filled up? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was very... And because the weather was bad, uh, there's lots of open deck space on this boat. I mean, it's unbelievable how much open deck space there is. Two water parks, a pool. Uh, it yeah. actually has a go-kart track with a, uh, with a track that goes out over the water. I mean, it's just insane. However, because the weather was so bad, everybody was inside. So, you know, it was very... Uh, we managed to pick up a virus about halfway through the trip. So we spent a lot of time in our cabin. Uh, this does not sound like the greatest cruise I've ever heard of. It was not the greatest. It was not the greatest. Uh, we're glad to be home. We're, you know, we, 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 we ticked it off the bucket list and we had, we got a week together. I read six books. It was wonderful. Um, and Allie got acupuncture treatment that was with absolutely miraculous results. Wow. I almost had to, you know, uh, she needed a lot of assistance to get on board. She's had mobility issues. She's had balance issues. Her back was killing her. So she's with a cane. I've got the other hand. You know, we get, uh, yeah. So on the second day, she went to see the uh, acupuncturist on board, got signed up for 15 sessions. I got sick halfway through the cruise. But by that point, Allie was traveling the ship stem to stern on her own, no cane, uh, getting stuff for me. Wow. So yeah. is, is this going to continue? Are you going to find the Mount Pleasant acupuncturist? I'm just <laughs> smiling. Even, I can't even say that with a straight face. Whew. Ha. But, uh, 
Yes. Are you are you going to go he down to the trailer me. down the road? <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, she showed me the 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 needles that they. I mean, needles three and four inches. I mean, uh, anyway, she uh, she swears by it now. It was a lot of pain relief, and she's uh, she's doing much better. So, if nothing else, it was it was worth that. But it was more than that. We're glad to be back. It was a it was a wonderful trip, and I'm just gearing up for another yeah. trip. We're right? leaving in uh, what a week from Saturday, a week and oh, yeah. a couple days. Yeah, Is that when we we're leaving on the tenth. We will leave on the tenth of June. There'll be eight of us on this walk through England, and uh, we'll be walking the path together while walking some of the most beautiful paths on the globe. Uh, it's going to be uh, a spiritual adventure, but also it's just going to be an adventure. I'm looking forward to it. Well, I, I got my waterproof poncho that will go over my other clothes. I got waterproof pants, and I got waterproof shoes in the mail that I have not tried on. They're on my porch right now, so if they don't okay. fit, I got to head out and find that because I'm following all of Nate Larkin's advice for how to have a walk in England. Oh, wow. Now I'm going to lose a bet. One of the other guys emailed me yesterday to say, hey, is this going to be pants or shorts, and should I wear hiking boots or whatever. And I said, well, I'll have, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm dressing to be ready for rainy weather. So I will have some waterproof pants available and I've got waterproof shoes. I said, Aaron will probably in shorts and flip-flops is what I said. Well, you only half lost the bet. I got pants that could go over my shorts if it became problematic. So I will plan on being in shorts. However, uh, long, long, long hikes in flip flops. That doesn't sound nice at all. So, okay. all right. and all wet right. socks is the worst. So, the yeah. waterproof shoes. I took your advice on that, but but no, I'll I'll be wearing shorts unless it gets below about forty five. I'll be wearing shorts. You know, uh, one guy who I would love to have on the trip with us, and he's he's he. I talked to him yesterday. It's killing him. Instead, he's going with his wife on a. Bucket list vacation. They're going to Italy. Uh, and it's because he's going to be in Italy with his bride that he's not going to be able to walk with us in England. And that's our old friend, Sam Black. Oh, yes. I, he told me about that. That's yeah, a bummer. Yeah. And, and I mean, we need to get him back on the show soon. I mean, like really well, soon. I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping really, really soon. <laughs> well, maybe then, um, Maybe by sheer chance, we will have somewhere in the archives uh, an interview with Sam about uh, his recently released book, uh, The Healing Church, that we could play uh, when we come back. Well, wait, the- I, I, I don't want to come back yet. Hold on. Oh, okay. I, we've, oh. we've, got, we've got a letter in the mail bag that I'd like to read and, and get your thoughts on before we do. We've got time. Do we? Okay, all right. That's, Absolutely. That's so this is uh, from a friend in California, one of our Pirate Monk friends that was responding to the John Eldridge show that I think was just posted in the last episode, maybe mm-hmm. two episodes ago. And this is what he had to say. I've been reflecting here on the latest podcast. Firstly, so happy you had him, John Eldridge, on. I've been praying along with his daily prayers for years Mm. and his audio recordings of it for the past three. Uh, If you got to meet your hero, I did a little bit too. But this 
push to be informed about the news isn't just a peer pressure thing. So I believe it's been a while since we did that interview, but we were talking about how it can be damaging to us, but we're, we're getting pressured right. into it. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a peer pressure thing. I put myself first when I say this. It's about pride and FOMO. Uh, I did not know what FOMO meant, so I Googled it. It means fear oh. of missing out. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. Am I the only one that yes, didn't I know? Yes, I did. I'm so yeah, bad I'm at afraid. these acronyms. You missed out on that. You should be afraid. <laughs> pride in that I think I'm more important than I am. More mm-hmm. important to the world of things just because I have an education Ignorance isn't bliss, but information alone doesn't make one powerful enough to enact change. The mm-hmm. other is the thought entwined with this is that the world needs me. Mm-hmm. That mentality comes uh, from that mentality comes a lot of what did I miss when we weren't mm-hmm. up on the latest whatever. It's mm-hmm. absolutely degrading when it turns to celebrity gossip, just like any gossip, but we lose ourselves in the news blurring the lines between information and a sick kind of entertainment. When the trauma and drama of a TV series just doesn't fill uh, that need, we have to live vicariously through other people's sufferings and their triumphs, quote, triumphs, and we can get glued to news, kind of like moving into harder things after a gateway drug. Okay, that's my two cents. Thanks. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was... uh I remember very clearly the, the exchange we had with John Eldridge, who says, you know, these days he lives almost a monastic life. And, uh, you know, he's kind of guarding the gateway of what comes in. You've made very much the same decisions. And uh, and I as well. Uh, you know, our own mental, emotional, spiritual health is something that has to be guarded. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's not just about. Uh, filtering porn, although that is certainly uh, a major place to start. Uh, But uh, paying attention to what we're feeding ourselves intellectually, emotionally uh, throughout the day. And I I appreciated him going to that heart level and asking the question, what emotion, what what is this feeding me? And for him, it was that pride for the different reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what if I don't know what's happening? And I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm supposed to be well informed, but I think, I think a lot of people can relate to that. But I think there's other reasons. But I love that he even asked that question. Yeah, what's yeah, this about yeah. for me? Yeah. So thank you for sending in that letter. We'd love to hear from you and your thoughts. As you know, give us random ones, give us deep ones, whatever. But thank you for sending that in. All right, Nate. Now you can transition to the interview. All right. Well, then coming up, uh, drum roll, please. You talk over, I'm drum rolling you. Our good friend, our good friend, and once again, published author, Sam Black, when we return on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. Well, it is so good to have with us on the show today an old friend, an old pirate monk, a guy who's been around the Samson Society for a while. But he also, man, he carries a lot of responsibility at Covenant Eyes. 
Sam Black is with us today. Uh, Sam, by the way, wrote a new book called The Healing Church, What Churches Get Wrong About Pornography and How to Fix It. Uh, Sam's now the director of life change education at Covenant Eyes. He served with Covenant Eyes for 16 years. He's a former journalist. He also wrote The Porn Circuit, Understanding Your Brain and, uh, and Breaking Porn Habits. Uh, he's passionate about helping Christians live free from pornography because he knows that what you, uh, uh, that you keep, what you give away. He walks his own grace-filled journey with the support of valued allies. And Sam also hosts a newcomer meeting for the Samson Society. Welcome, Sam. Thanks, Nate. Great to be here. Uh, it's a pity that our listeners can't see you. I at least can see you. you uh, you're looking <laughs> like a picture of health. Uh, you're looking like you got stuff going on and you got energy to do it. Uh, and leaning on the Lord every day for a little bit more energy. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <I need> it. <laughs> um, now you are, you're trained as a journalist and you actually lived and worked for a while in this neck of the woods where I'm living right now. You know, actually know Mount Pleasant. Yes, I do. Yes, indeed. I think I even got to cover uh, as a Cub com reporter, got to cover the city council meetings there. Isn't that exciting? Oh, wow. Amazing. Well, I can't wait for you to come back and get a firsthand look at the harbor, the Samson house that's undergoing renovation now. We've got yes. guys in there doing the work. Uh, but now you are in the frozen wastes of Michigan, uh, where you have been with Covenant Eyes. Now for 16 years? Yeah, it'll be 16 years in February. Isn't that amazing? I just That seems like yesterday. Yeah, so how big was the staff when you showed up? I was, uh, I believe, in somewhere in the early 20s. That was uh -huh. the number of employees we have, and now we have about 230. Man, oh, man. And, and Covenant Eyes is owned by its employees. I don't know if you knew that or not. I knew that was coming down the pike. I didn't know that it had, had actually happened. Ron did a, yeah, I'm sure that Ron, the founder of, of Covenant Eyes could have sold to some big major concern, some hedge fund for an awful lot of money. But he had a, a conviction that it was essential that if Covenant Eyes was going to stay true to its mission, then uh, it had to be owned by people who owned the mission. So we sold it to the, exactly right. sold it to the employees. Isn't that fantastic? It is amazing. Really is amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And of course, Covenant Eyes now has a worldwide reach. I know that membership really popped during the COVID years. Is sure growth did. continuing? Absolutely, yeah. It's growing. Just we're continuing to see record growth. God is good to us, and we're doing as much as we can to support individuals who are seeking to live in freedom, providing lots more education. We just launched a brand new app uh, this year. It's our actually last year now, yeah. and that is Victory by Covenant Eyes. And within there, there is more than 20 courses that people can go through for free. Everything in there has been counselor reviewed. We have counselors who are writing for us as well. It's just an amazing resource that people can tap into, and it's free. Yeah, yeah. So Check. much of what Covenant Eyes does, they just offer free, and not just to members. You are trying to resource the whole church, right? We really want to help the church 
um, minister to those in in their congregations. And so uh, we have a great team, uh, a full team led by Karen Potter. And she is a go-getter, man. You you know Karen, right? <laughs> I know and, Karen. Uh, she oh, is, man. She's, she's a on, force to be reckoned with. She's on yeah. fire and has a full team. And they have a, a number of amazing resources that we equip and train pastors and ministry leaders. We even have a program called Safe Haven Sunday where uh, every, every family in your church can learn and discover how pornography is coming after your children and what you can do, what steps you can take to help protect your family, protect that next generation. As we know, as you know, one of the building blocks for unwanted sexual behaviors is early exposure to pornography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, I know you host a newcomer meeting for the Samson Society. I think yours is Tuesday. Is that right? Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I host the Saturday morning one. And I've been getting lately, oh, anywhere from six to 10 guys, typically on a Saturday morning. And always, there's going to be at least a couple of those guys who have discovered us through Covenant Eyes. And they're there because they've come through the Victory app, they're in the Strive program, some other touch point. Uh, and I, it's just, I am just so grateful for Covenant Eyes and for its mission and you guys being faithful to the mission and sending yeah. our guys Sending guys and, our way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We just feel like Samson Society and Covenant Eyes are just a fantastic pairing. And mm -hmm. so we're, we're always encouraging uh, guys to get into Samson Society, find Christian brothers, so they're not facing this battle alone. Because so often, uh, men are just having a hard time finding others that they can practice James 5.16 with in their local church to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another that we might be healed, that we may be healed, not might. And yeah. so um, I just really, I can't, I'm, I'm just grateful to, to host those newcomer meetings and to participate on Thursday nights with a, a, a group of Samson guys. And we have been, we've studied book after book after book. And mm -hmm. we've been doing that for about three years now. It's just wow. fantastic. Wow. 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 Well, you wrote this latest book, The Healing Church. Uh, by the way, I really appreciate the fact that you're a journalist. You are a researcher. You didn't just go off and sit in a corner and spin a bunch of ideas out of your own head. You actually right. went out, researched, talked to an awful lot of people. I don't know a better networked person right now in the field than Sam Black. Seems like every place I go, everybody knows Sam. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, because because you're interested in people, you are you're not just out there uh, promoting. You're also out there listening and learning. Uh, so uh, you so you've gained a, an enormous fund of uh, practical information about pornography and its effects. And you wrote this book specifically for pastors and church leaders. In fact, you call it a primer, a primer. Um, yeah. What is it that uh, you know, what are the basics that you think every pastor and ministry leader needs to know? Well, I, I do call it a primer or a primer because it's so uh, I, I found in traveling the nation that so many ministry leaders have uh, a view of pornography addiction or compulsive behavior or what have you is just simply 
a choice of not making good choices that if you love God, just stop yeah. it. Quit that. Don't do that. Yeah. God's, not, God, God's not for that. Leave that alone. Uh, and, if, and they believed that if a purity sermon would give them the person, the individual, enough warning yeah. that they would, would, couldn't help but leave pornography behind. Yeah. And I, they, just, they just need some help. And mm. our seminaries aren't preparing them for this. It's and a true. lot of our studies for pastors haven't helped them with this. And when you go to a conference or a seminar for pastors, rarely do you hear the deep detail of how people get stuck, why they often stay stuck, and how that person can find lasting freedom. Mm-hmm. Instead, I've often heard that men are just uh, built this way and mm-hmm. they'll always struggle. They'll always, you know, uh, struggle with sin. Now, I don't mind st- the word struggle because that means you're fighting, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, yeah, not, right you're not right. laying down. You're getting back up. However, I don't believe struggling has to mean falling on your face on a regular basis. I think that's, mm-hmm. well, that's just dumb. We don't want to do that. Yeah. In fact, yeah. every guy who's ever uh, sought to find freedom has promised himself He's promised God. He's promised others in his family. I'll never do this again. And yet they find themselves the next day or the next week or the next month right back in the same trap. So like you said, what is going on? What's the basics every pastor should know? People get stuck over time. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not that you're a grown adult man standing in front of your computer or you see a pop-up. And suddenly you just can't resist that pop-up. You just go down that line. Mm -hmm. What is really happening and what you, what you and I see on every time we host a newcomer meeting, because I stole this from you, I stole this from you. You and I were in a a hotel room and you were hosting a newcomer meeting. And I said, from then on, I'm going to do it like Nate does it. And that's was you would allow men to tell their story and you would go first. Mm -hmm. And so every newcomer meeting says exactly what every pastor needs to hear. And that is the early exposure to pornography, Mm -hmm. the ongoing use and repetition, especially through adolescence, Mm -hmm. and drama or trauma early, and especially early in life. Mm -hmm. And somewhere along that line, that, first of all, the, the, the early exposure creates those building blocks, that foundation for ongoing use mm-hmm. but that that young brain just isn't prepared to see the onslaught of pornography that is coming after them and so the second part of that is that repetition and it builds those neural pathways in the brain and it's using all the neurochemistry in the brain to say yes i want i, I want more of that and, and then they back or they they feel the shame and of that and and that is actually increasing uh that those yeah. memories and and shock and et cetera. And it's pushing them right back into those neural pathways to crave it more and more. And then somewhere along the line, it becomes escapism mm-hmm. and it enters our whole psyche and we get trapped. And when we, we something happens in our life that's hard or a trigger yeah. is pulled, we go back to self-soothing through pornography. And the only way men can find freedom 
is to get out of the shame, safe self-hatred at their expense, self-hatred at mm-hmm. my expense, the shame, and uh, get open with others because the secrecy and shame feed that addiction and keep it keep that momentum going. All of yeah. which you know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I certainly, I know the torture. The memory has not left me. And I'm grateful that I, I have an opportunity on a regular basis to go back and revisit that story and share it with others and to, to listen to other guys who are now where I was so that I don't forget the misery of those many years as a sincere Christian and for a few years as a pastor, uh, somebody who really does love Jesus and, and wants to follow him, somebody who has moral values and wants to live a moral and upright life, a guy who who loves his wife and doesn't want to be unfaithful to her. Mm-hmm. Um, continuing to do over and over, as the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 7, you know, what in the world's going on? The thing I don't want to do, I do. The thing I want to do, I can't do. The thing I don't want to do, I can't stop doing. It's, uh, and, and then after a while, just the despair comes in. Meanwhile, looking for a safe place to talk about it, to maybe get some helpful information. Well, um, that's one of the things that's, that's a, that's a primary focus in the book too, is helping churches understand the value and need of a safe place and a safe process. The Mm -hmm. safe place allows someone to come forward and get help Mm -hmm. on an ongoing basis. That safe place is a sacred place where people tell the truth about themselves. Yeah. And they know, as we see in, in Samson, that uh, where uh, brothers will listen to them with love and care. But that safe process then holds that person in place so that, they, that the great physician can do his work. Mm-hmm. Because uh, in my addiction, I could run around inside my cage chasing my tail, and my efforts toward freedom were inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Only when I allowed others to come into my life and just kind of hold on to me for a little bit and walk with mm-hmm. me, then I could go yeah. on a journey. And now I'm not running to and fro and tripping over my own faulty reasoning and triggers and bad habits. I had someone else that I could work with in a process that created lasting change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were um, talking earlier about pastors, too, and I, mm-hmm. I just – yeah. Two, two chapters uh, talk about the impact of pornography on those in ministry and, 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 and in yeah. uh, church leadership. And so I think it's very imperative that, uh, that ministry leaders, we see too much pain among ministry leaders that uh, is hidden until it comes out in the media yeah. or it comes out in front of the whole church. And or the pastor is asked to resign, and and those kinds of things. And what we want to do is really create an understanding that minister leaders are under attack. They also have their own wounds that often they've never really tended to, that uh, they yeah. just thought that a little more study, uh, mm-hmm. that going to, uh, you know, going to a Christian college and getting married and going to seminary, 
that somehow all of their struggle would disappear and it would never show its face again. But we just know that's not true. And Satan was there when the wounds happened, and he will use them to destroy your ministry. But we can Mm -hmm. be proactive to help our leaders not fall to that prey. Yeah. Yeah. Or after they, you know, if they have fallen, and here's what I think. I think that the present onslaught of technology, uh, I'm sorry, of pornography, this Mm -hmm. tsunami of sexual explicit material that's sweeping through the entire culture presents us with an unprecedented opportunity to bring the gospel to bear. It's an unprecedented opportunity to display the power of grace, to actually show the, uh, the healing power of Jesus, if we're willing to have the conversation. And I think, uh, I think, There are pastors, a few cloistered pastors, perhaps, who still think that it's only just a few, you know, scattered perverts in the church who struggle with pornography. Um, When the true stats are startling, to the best of your knowledge, I think you stay pretty current on this stuff. What percentage of the people in the pew, and it probably varies by age group, how many sincere, uh, devoted, faithfully church-attending Christians, uh, what percentage of those uh, are using or have used pornography these days? What do you think? Across the surveys that we've seen, including uh, just some surveys we've done uh, in-house, as well as uh, the Barna survey that we commissioned, uh, we found about two-thirds to 70% of men in the church have an ongoing struggle with pornography and about 30% of women. Yeah. And among that set, about 30%, about 36% of men are saying, this isn't just something that I view once a month. I'm viewing it at least multiple times a week. Uh, and, yeah. and about 30% of those in 18 to 29 are reviewing daily. They feel mm-hmm. they're using it daily. We see about 14% for women. And so uh, in that repeated per week uh, viewing. And so they're they're just, many are very, you know, they uh, understand that, wow, maybe maybe we need to step back for a minute. And let me, can I read you just a piece from the Healing Church here? Yeah, please do. Because I think this really helps us. garner a little understanding of how it's how is this impacting the church what is going on so this is on uh in the first chapter this is a study of a christian university found that among christian students who use pornography 43 percent of men and 20 percent of women say their pornography use worsened their relationship with christ now we you sort of expect that Mm -hmm. Uh, sin draws us away from christ christ doesn't pull away from us but that Mm -hmm. sin in our lives makes us want to pull away Further, 20% of men and 9% of women reported their pornography use caused them to lose interest in spiritual things. In reviewing several studies, researchers found that an increase in pornography use is significantly related to reduced church attendance, diminished faith, lessened prayer frequency, and diminished feelings to God. And in a separate study, 
Dr. Samuel Perry from the University of Oklahoma found that uh, someone using the more someone used pornography, the less that you could expect that they would be volunteers or a board member in your church. Now, at the same time, through my own studies and research, I found that uh, many stories of people who were doing the old coin flip of Mm -hmm. having shame on one side of the coin and on the other side of the coin is performance and grandiosity. You know, we want to Mm -hmm. perform so God will love us more. And so many uh, of those who had served in the church were feeling such guilt and shame about their use of pornography or unwanted sexual behaviors that it would just crush them uh, after they acted out. But then after a period of self-loathing, then they would flip that coin, of course, and perform better for their church. They would mm-hmm. do more harder work. They would volunteer and do more things. Yeah. I interviewed mm-hmm. uh, one person. They served on uh, the church school board. They served, uh, they were bankers. So they, they took care of all the finances and helped found a mission in Mexico through the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there was any kind of event, they were there to volunteer and they were carrying on three affairs at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because the more that person could serve, maybe maybe their sin wasn't just as bad. So pastors need to be careful, uh, leadership need to be careful, think, well, because they're in leadership, uh, that's probably a good sign that they're not using pornography or having unwanted sexual behaviors. And uh, that's not necessarily true. But the opposite mm-hmm. is, always, is also true, that the more people are viewing pornography, the less likely they're, they're going to break up their church attendance, uh, they're yeah. like, less likely to volunteer and serve. So it's, it's, this is like a double-edged sword, yeah. Yeah. just yeah. thrusting into the heart of the church. Not to, mention, not to mention the ways in which false intimacy that pornography provides mm-hmm. undermines our capacity for true intimacy. And so relationships suffer, not just relationships with friends and relationships with fellow members of the church, but domestic relationships, relationships with with the spouses and girlfriends and children. The um, Matrimonial Lawyers Association found that in 56% of divorce cases, one spouse had a compulsive behavior with pornography. That was part of their split. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's every reason for uh, the church to uh take this issue on directly but uh we need to abandon you know our old practice of just you know (laughs) mounting a moralistic campaign i'll tell you what it's not news that the congress that porn is bad and you shouldn't do it Spending a lot of time just preaching that message doesn't solve the problem. Do you agree? Oh, yeah. Repeatedly, I heard from individuals that would say, uh, I knew that pornography was wrong, and I would feel all the more guilt and shame when I heard about that it was wrong in the church. I knew that. And so the but the purity sermon didn't provide me a way out. It didn't show me, it didn't give me a guide, a map to get out other than repent, turn your face, turn about face and march in the other direction. 
And so we need to give people some really practical tools yeah. to learn and grow in freedom. Yeah, yeah. You know, major components of the healing process, the restoration recovery process, uh, are accountability and accessibility. Mm-hmm. Accountability, uh, man, that really is something that Covenant Eyes has continued to be very innovative about. Don't we all have uh, an almost limitless capacity to fool ourselves, to lie to ourselves, Absolutely. to imagine that we're doing a whole lot better than we're doing, uh, to ignore the uncomfortable truth? Uh, but if we can bring a trusted ally into the process and uh, a, a, a trusted and not altogether foolproof, but pretty, uh, you know, pretty good uh, reporting system, it becomes a lot more difficult to live in denial. So uh, that's really how Covenant Eyes started was with accountability software. And you guys have made some great innovations in that uh, arena, haven't you? Accountability has gotten better over the years. Talk about yes. that. Yeah. So what we do now, we started off where we'd uh, rate websites. And what would, mm-hmm. would happen is we'd like to read the words on the page, where did the image come from, et cetera. And then we'd, the, this computer algorithm would decide a rating for that web page and report if it was Mm-hmm. Uh, highly inappropriate or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were extremely fortunate in that we had a PhD mathematician that was working for the National Security Administration who said, <laughs> basically, I think God can use me more at Covenant Eyes than at the NSA. Mm. <laughs> and so okay. he, <laughs> no, it's a true story. So <laughs> he, uh, he joined our team and began writing the artificial intelligence for uh that would look for pornography and so we trained we create created a a machine learning algorithm that would gradually teach itself over time uh how to what pornography was and so we of course we had to feed it pornography Mm -hmm. and so if you can imagine your maybe your grandmother that's (laughs) what a lot of these folks were that was they would have the hard job of looking at pornography and telling the algorithm, this is pornography, this is what you should be looking for. Yeah. And more than a million videos, more than a million images kind of shuffled through to that and then millions of things that were not. And so it learned what was pornography and what was not. And mm-hmm. we're not we're not resting on our heels. We're con- we're in fact it's it's a major initiative right now to push to the next level uh, for that accuracy and uh, expanding uh, how that is used for Covenant Eyes uh, members. And then in addition to that, we've created the Victory by Covenant Eyes. And within there, not only do you get all those educational resources I told you about, but now you can view reports for yourself and for others through that Victory app as well. And we have mm-hmm. a big game plan for that where uh, you can begin uh, doing some other check-ins with that as well and share how you're feeling with your ally and et cetera through the app itself. So we've got a lot of exciting things coming for this year. You know, I, I so uh, celebrate uh, the advance you guys made with uh, screen accountability, you know, cause I'm an old porn addict and um, there's something about it. You know, I, yes, I don't want porn in my life in my, in my life ever again. 
And thank God that is now my dominant feeling. There is still a part of me that, you know, holds these nostalgic feelings that are rooted in the, that the original exhilaration, the hits I got during very vulnerable points in my life. So there's still a part of me that, and, and there's a part of me that's a little bit rebellious. I'm a monk, but I'm a pirate. I'm a pirate monk. And so I remember in the early days of Covenant Eyes, I'd install Covenant Eyes on my computer, and then I'd go to work trying to find a way around it. And there were there were ways that you could you know, shake the fence and dig around and find the screen accountability has made it much safer behind the protection of Covenant Eyes. Uh, because anything that shows up on the screen now can be read and interpreted and, and graded and reported as I choose to have it reported. That's a wonderful, wonderful innovation. Yes, and uh, through the Victory app by Covenant Eyes, uh, no longer is it just a report of the top mm-hmm. things. Now yeah. it is an ongoing feed. Yeah. So <laughs> there's a little more discussion that can be had. Uh, <laughs> And, Real time, uh, and I can get an instant alert that says, "Hey, uh, Nate is having a little trouble right now. Why don't you give him a call?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so those, yeah. those are, you know, like you said, it is a means to live more openly with a brother in Christ. You know, I and and but this goes back to our concerns with the church, right? So I was in the book. I, I write about uh, being at the. Uh, the National Religious Broadcasters Conference in Nashville. And I had uh, sat down to a table where there was, I I believe, uh, the Attorney General of the United States was speaking. And uh, at my table was a pastor. And I just, you know, we began striking up conversation, let him know I was working on a book. And I Mm -hmm. asked him about, hey, tell me about what it's like to practice James 5.16 in your church. And he goes, Sam, I have to really say, you know, we're a small church. We have about less than 100 people who attend our church. And uh, in that small kind of environment, in our rural county environment in Tennessee, it's pretty hard Mm -hmm. for people to be really open and honest because we know each other. Uh Well, that should be the first reason to be be able to be open and honest. (laughs) To be truly known is to be truly loved just where where you're at right there. And we care enough about each other, we should be around each other. But that is true within most of our churches. Mm-hmm. What is interesting, I walked uh, to the to the showroom floor, and I ran into a couple, and they were so excited. That, hey, Sam, I'm so glad uh, we got to meet you. You work for Covenant Eyes, and we, we want your advice on, uh, I, I need to find an accountability partner. His wife was right there. And, um, and he says, we attend a church of about 3,500. And just can't find someone to be my ally, to be my silence, to be mm-hmm. my accountability partner. Now, is it the side because the church is too small or that the church <laughs> is too big? That's not the problem, right? Yeah, right. And so one of the things, the beautiful things I do like about Samson Society is that a pastor uh, is can speak with uh, someone who comes to the, to the pastor and says, hey, I'm, I'm struggling with pornography. I want some help and support. I don't really know who I can lean on here in the church or who really understand me. Now, that pastor might know someone in the church, and I hope he does. 
But if he doesn't, he can say, Sam or Nate, I want you to go to samsociety.com and you attend a newcomer meeting there. That's how you'll get in. And you're going to find a whole bunch of guys in there Mm -hmm. who understand what you're going through. And they're all being honest about it and supporting one another in love and hope and Mm -hmm. real resources. So when you get plugged into SAMHSA Society, you don't just get plugged into where you talk about stuff. Uh, You get to join a, a Slack community and other things like that where guys are posting and sharing, hey, this is what I'm using in my recovery. Check out this link. Uh, mm-hmm. They're going through curriculum together to find uh, uh, new freedom and better understanding of why do they, why are they stuck like this? And so uh, that's one of the reasons I talk about Samson Society quite a bit within the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the cool thing is, you know, the pastor can join himself. Uh, yes, we got we got lots of folks in the Samson Society. Samson's worldwide membership now is about fifteen thousand guys and growing, continuing to grow from over a hundred countries, uh, every uh, state in the U.S. And there's a, quite a few guys in there. I, I don't, you know, we don't track these things, so I don't have uh, reliable statistics. But my sense of it is that at least ten percent of the folks who join Samson Society are or have been in some sort of vocational Christian service. So we got teachers from Christian schools. We got Christian counselors. We've got pastors. We've got missionaries uh, for whom being able to get in a virtual room in a virtual meeting and just be who they are without having to carry the baggage of a role, to be a man among men uh, is life-giving. So it's a safe place for pastors to go to. It is. It is. Um, and I, I've, I've got the beautiful opportunity not only to serve uh, pastors in a newcomer meeting, but then become a Silas uh, for some pastors who've come through Samson Society. And what on- greater honor can it be to for a pastor to s- take some time, step away for a little uh, period of time and find some real healing so that yeah. now he can come back and be really effective. Yeah. Uh, if, yeah. This is a great place to do that. And I've, I'll tell you from personal experience, nothing empowers your preaching like fresh recovery experience. When you get healing, especially deliverance from something you've struggled with for a very long time, uh, it opens doors and windows on the gospel. You start to see things in the Bible you never saw before. And uh, in my own experience, I've preached with new power and conviction and saw a whole lot more fruit than when I was just fighting it on my own. You know, that is the real bargain that I strike with pastors and ministry leaders in the healing church. Uh, the opening scene is a, a man who is excited and is pouring into other men, who is discipling other men in the church yeah. because he has found recovery. And that's yeah. the repeated theme I see over and over again, yes. that those who go through a, get enter a safe place and a safe process and find healing come out on the other end on fire. They get yeah. excited. They're ready to help other men. It doesn't matter what your deal is. If you're dealing with food, pride, anger, yeah. frustration, uh, right. alcohol, drugs, pornography, it doesn't matter what it is. He's ready to enter that person's life and create meaningful help create meaningful change to partner with the 
with Christ and create healing that like that just spreads. And that's what yeah. that's how Samson Society grew, right? You got yeah. guys who healed, and then they says, "Hey, I'm going to grab some other guys," and it just kept growing and growing. <laughs> that's exactly how it works. Well, hey, before we close, you know, I want to once again just acknowledge Covenant Eyes has been supporting the church and helping folks for 22 years. In addition to this book, what's Covenant Eyes doing now to support and help local churches? Yes, so we have again a whole team dedicated to the church to equip them with uh, educational resources and uh, tools they can use in the church. And you can reach out to that team at church support at covenantize.com. Again, that's church support at covenantize.com. Now, one other thing I'd love for you to do for our listeners to do is go to thehealingchurch.com and you can click on a link there and download the introduction in the first chapter of The Healing Church. And and then we'll be able to also support you with other tools for your community, your community and your church. All right. And this book, great book, uh, is available any place books are sold, right? That's right. Where you normally buy books, you can find it there. All right. Well, once again, folks, we've been listening to Sam Black, who is uh, the uh, golly, I'm trying to remember your fancy new title. The Director of Life Change Education at Covenant Eyes. Uh, it's been uh, great reconnecting with you. Thank you for taking the time for the conversation. Nate, it's always great to talk with you. Stay with us, listeners. We'll be back in a moment on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. Oh, yes, I didn't get to participate in that particular conversation, <laughs> but we have talked about it since. Uh, important stuff. Yeah, absolutely uh, vital that we not make recovery just this individualistic, privatized thing that has to be cloistered away from the community. Really, we can only heal in community. We're broken in community, we heal in community, and the church is the place where healing happens or should happen but it has to be led that way yeah, so yeah, much yeah, of it, any culture starts with the leadership yeah, and yeah. that's why i so enjoyed the conversation that you and i just had Aaron, with justin edgar the pastor of uh, city press in albuquerque new mexico we're going to be there by the way uh, i think on the 30th of july doing a special event at city press in albuquerque uh, but there's an example of one local church that would have fit beautifully into Sam's book. I, Sam uh, hadn't met Justin yet, but uh, he may want to after that episode airs. Mm -hmm. But uh, a church where it is safe enough for the pastor to tell his story, which opens the door and, and makes the room safe and invites people in to bring their real selves and not just the church persona uh, into the building. And there, there is a natural, and we've talked about it in the past, sometimes a realistic fear of the consequences mm -hmm. of being honest as mm -hmm. a pastor. Right. But the reality is any church that you have to be dishonest in, if you want to be a whole human being and a pastor, then that's probably not the church for you. 
mm-hmm. if you're mm-hmm. going to get fired. Uh, and there will always be some people that don't really want their pastor to be honest and human. They mm-hmm. kind of need them to be other than. But I will say that I've witnessed how many people desire leaders to just be honest, even in their brokenness, and to be in a community like Justin described um, mm-hmm. and like Sam is talking about. People are hungry for that. And yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. It's, not an, it's, it's not a unicorn thing. It's, in yeah, fact, yeah. a very common thing in the desire realm, and it just takes pastors and leaders to step into that with courage and know that whatever the outcome, they'll end up better for it at the other side. And I know you're talking from personal experience because you've done this uh, planting a vintage church out there in in the central coast of California, right? Yeah, I, I feel like that. That felt like a very safe place to be yeah for uh, me and for dane yeah but i mean it 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 was explicit we said from the start that we wanted to have a church we could go to (laughs) and so even even if we are up in front teaching Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean we're not a member of the church we just happen to be using those gifts Yeah, yeah and if people didn't feel comfortable with that that was fine Either we could leave or they could and find other places that suited us better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and yeah. so the people that stayed were okay with that and more than okay. I mean, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. who doesn't want their leader to also be able to be their friend for real? Yeah. 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 So, uh, well, uh, listeners, we'd love to hear your stories uh, about. Uh, the church communities that you've been a part of, especially tell us some encouraging stories uh, where you have found healing. What's your experience of a healing church? We'd love uh, to hear those stories. And you can reach us at pirate monk podcast at gmail.com. And thanks again, by the way, to Sam black for his leadership in uh, casting vision for the healing church and a covenant eyes really has been leading the way toward authenticity now for a couple of decades. Isn't it, isn't it fun watching just the changes over the years? I think the first time we had Sam on, he did the brain circuit book. Yeah. 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 I yeah, believe yeah. That was the name. The porn circuit. Uh, the porn, the porn circuit. circuit. Yeah. yeah. I knew there was yeah, a yeah. circuit, uh, the porn circuit and just, just getting to, uh, I don't know. We're an awful lot older than we started this, but there are certain <laughs> other people that seem like they've been, Along the journey the whole time. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, that's it for this episode. Until next time, I'm Nate. I'm Aaron. And we are your pals on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Arg. The Pirate Monk Podcast is produced by members of the Samson Society. Send your feedback or questions to piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes and share the podcast with a friend. For more information, please visit samsonsociety.com.